This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Cheryl Coleman. And, you know, Cheryl, we were just talking in the break that we're sometimes segments get us down a little bit, <laughs> a little pessimistic, being like, yeah. oh, a little cynical. But then sometimes segments are a little optimistic. And I felt like that music also was really appropriate to, to, to think of. get the optimism, which we <laughs> exactly. need on, on, you know, mornings. Exactly. So. But, um, you know, and, and it's one of those things. So when we had um, the investor... Uh, Stephen Grant, Grantham? Jeremy Grantham on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I left that second thing. Oh no! I mean, he was more optimistic that we there was exactly. There, but I felt like, oh, they, these are big problems. Well, I think he he's had time to sort of digest the information, and with with us, we were just getting him absorbing real time. it. And then he was reminding us about the you know how the insects are dying, and and you're just going, oh my gosh. But your your mom really liked the segment. My mom did like the segment. She she was like, I have to share this with your aunt. I don't know if my aunt's <laughs> interested in it, but she she did. But you know, we also talked a little bit about about recycling and some of the challenges that the industry is facing, and that some cities are are doing away with their recycling programs. Um, you know, I I don't have a great sense, and and hopefully we can talk to our next guest about next guest about it, but. Actually, I think our former colleague Stephanie Kim did a special report on this several years ago. She was on the cutting edge of, uh-huh. of this trend um, that, you know, it's been traded as a commodity, really. Right. So it's not like, oh, just re- reusing the materials like here in Philadelphia or even the U.S., but we were shipping it. We were exporting our recycling. Right, absolutely. And, and so, like, China, for instance, isn't using it as much or isn't r- accepting it as right. much. So in terms of an industry – it's it's more of a challenge, and they've what they've also done too is they're, they're purchasing less, but their standards are going higher. So it has to be cleaner than everything. And and we've had so many shows on where you realize, you know, I thought I could recycle that, but I can't. Exactly. And if I recycle the you know the things from the uh, dry cleaners, that's called a tangler, and it gets into the machines and oh. it messes up the machines. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So my poor husband, when he tries to recycle, I'm like, no, not that, <laughs> no. Not that. That one's okay. That one – clean it out, but that one's okay. <laughs> so. Well, I think that's – it's a great segue because, you know, we have some knowledge on this, but I think our next guest really does. So welcome to the show, Tom Zaki, who's the CEO and founder of TerraCycle. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you. We were just having a little bit of a recycling talk, um, which I think is right up your alley. But, you know, Tom, who are you and, and what are you representing? Yeah, so I'm uh, 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 the head of uh, a company called TerraCycle and, and Loop. And uh, so TerraCycle, for you know, very quickly, for 15 years uh, across 21 countries, has been focused on how do we eliminate the idea of waste. And we do that in basically three ways. First, we make things that are not recyclable, recyclable, you know, from dirty diapers, cigarette butts, flexible food packaging, all those things you were talking about earlier, to, um, uh, you know, that's our first. Our second is to integrate waste, like ocean plastic, for example, back into consumer products. And then our third, which is actually under the brand loop, is all about how do we move away from waste altogether and move into uh, uh, reuse uh, versus uh, uh, or, or multi-use uh, systems uh, instead of single-use systems. Got it. So um, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Um, so 
Are we unpacking loop or what are we unpacking? Well, so the single use versus uh, yeah. multi-use, um, you know, because we were just talking about fresh uh, carbon versus maybe recycled carbon. And so I think that yeah. really ties into our last guest, too. So so talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if we really digest, you know, where does this modern idea of waste come from? It's important to note that like garbage is only about 70 years old as an idea. Uh, it came about really in the 1950s when disposability took over because before the 50s you know there was the milkman model yeah. but not just for milk like you know motor oil you know perfume i mean everything came in durable reusables and even clothing i mean we used to cobble our shoes who cobbles their shoes anymore these days you know? i do i try <laughs> oh right on but you would be in the minority right right and i'm also a super yeah. urbanite so like there are cobblers in philadelphia right, right? right. There you go. There you go. But that is rare. You're not going to, where I am, you know, I'm talking to you from Trenton, New Jersey. There's not a cobbler in this town. Mm. And the, the uh, you know, so that made way for disposability because disposability is incredibly cheap and convenient. And those virtues, you know, consumers love even to this day. So, the, you know, that's the root cause, right? So I think the issue is this idea of using something once. The, the other problem is when, you know, uh, uh, we use something once, you know, we as a consumer end up owning all this packaging and we don't really even want to own it, which is sort of weird. Why should we own all this stuff we don't want to own? Um, and so that's sort of the key uh, paradigm where reuse comes into, into play. In reuse, you know, the general idea is that the, the, the package can now have significantly higher value, higher function, more beautiful, and in many cases can even be owned by the manufacturer. That's how we do it at Loop. And this allows you know, consumers to maintain convenience uh, you know, because they just effectively throw it out. But instead of throwing it into a recycling bin or a garbage bin, they throw it into a reuse bin where Loop picks it up and we clean it instead of shredding it and melting it or burning it or, or dumping it. Um, and those clean packages go back to the manufacturers who fill it and around it goes again and again and again. Because the key thing here is we've got to get away from this concept of extracting all these materials from the planet, using them once, and then having really you know, un- uninspired solutions at the end. So what are some of the products that, that Loop is relevant for? Um, I don't know that I've... I certainly haven't seen any any loop products or are ordered we, anything. Are we bringing back the milkman model? <laughs> well, it, it, exactly. So, so let me try to answer both of these. So, loop is like bringing back the milkman model, but meets everything. Um, so, it's starting. Uh, and the reason you haven't seen it yet, it's launching in Paris on May 14th. Oh. Then it's launching uh, in the northeast of the United States, in New Jersey, New York uh, State, and Pennsylvania on May 21st. Then London in September, and then Germany, Japan, Canada, and a number of other places next year. So it's coming. It's yeah. not live yet, but you can see it at loopstore.com if you want to see some of the examples. And it's hundreds and hundreds of products wow. from uh, toothbrushes to um, laundry detergent to orange juice, all with big brands like Tropicana, Tide, you know, Oral-B, and, and so on and so forth. And so it's sort of like the milkman coming back, but reinvented to do everything. And not just to prioritize reuse, but to prioritize beautiful, incredible design. All right. So it's sort of like the future <laughs> of consumption where reuse is the tenant, but not the reason. All right. So I'm, my, my head's swimming a little bit because I'm excited. Um, yeah. on, on one hand, like I, I say This the is mil- another positive episode. This is great. I'm, I'm optimistic. <laughs> uh, but really, okay, the Milkman model, I'm a little young to really have experienced the Milkman model, but I, I saw it in like Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> I was going to say uh, on TV, <laughs> right? So you've got you know your milk delivered in glass bottles. You use it, then you set it back out for the milkman mm-hmm. to pick it up. So you yeah. that may not be door to door is what you're talking about, but it will be at maybe your grocery store 
or some well, exactly yeah and and so to the way we are working on loop is that it's an engine right uh, it's an engine for brands you know from your unilevers to your coca-colas to create durable alternatives of their products mm-hmm. so it's an engine for them and it's also an engine for retailers uh, we're going to be announcing the u.s retailer on may 21st so it's sort of a secret until then but it's one of the biggest i really hope it's in <laughs> pennsylvania <laughs> Yeah, uh, in, uh, it will be in Pennsylvania for sure. Um, uh, in, uh, in, in France, it's Carrefour, which is the number that one retailer sense. in France. In the U.K., it's Tesco. So it's going to be mm-hmm. a similar type one in the U.S. But nevertheless, you'll be able to then get Loop through the retailer's e-commerce. So if you buy it through e-commerce, it's delivered to you, uh, you know, like an e-commerce delivery, and then picked up like an e-commerce return. And you will also be able to buy it in store where um, you'll have like a durable aisle or a package-free aisle, if you will, of all these products. Um, And then on your next shopping trip, you just bring the packaging back uh, in a durable garbage bag and put it into a bin. And then we check it in and get you all your deposits back. And so this is interesting. So uh, for our listeners, I mean, because in the U.S., it feels very foreign. But, really? Right. To, well, it, to I, me, like that, I'm going to take stuff to the grocery store with me well, and drop it off. D- did you never live in a place where you had to pay like a five? You got five cents back on a, I, on a glass bottle. Not in the U.S. Ah. I, I think I'm a, Kansas. I think we oh, were yeah, we yeah. were use and consume and toss. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and but when I lived in Germany. We definitely had, you know, certain products where, you know, we paid an extra deposit, five cents, whatever, and I would bring back my glass bottles right, and right. others to, you know, dump in the bin and get my font back, my deposit back. Cool. So is, and, is that it, sort of what we're talking about? You mentioned that it's exactly like the German or, you know, it's a little closer to home, the Canadian, you know, beer model. Um, and uh, it's really interesting. We were actually just in Germany uh, uh, this Monday, and we we're just finalizing the partnership for Loop with a major German retailer. Um, and what's really interesting is for them, it's really sort of familiar because it's sort of like the German or Canadian beer return model, but meets everything. Right. And the key difference is in, say, the German you know, beer return model, it's one package form only. Every beer is in the same exact brown glass bottle. So you, and it's a mono supply. It's just for beer, and it's one pack form. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Loop, it's really for all categories, and the packages can, uh, can change. The other real benefit is, why did these beer return models disappear? Right. You know, the U.K. had them, and it went away. Uh, the U.S. used to have you know, beer return, you know, soda return. You know, I mean, Coca-Cola started in refillable glass bottles in the United States, and that doesn't exist anymore. And the reason all these beverage return models have disappeared, and even in Germany and Canada, the pressure is towards them going away is because it's a lot of work for retailers to administer them. Mm-hmm. So one of the key things is the way to make reuse really win, it has to be fiercely convenient for the consumer. So in Loop, for example, we're proud that you don't have to wash out the packaging, you don't have to sort it, just throw it dirty, unsorted into your now durable garbage bin um, or reuse bin, really. And it also has to be fiercely convenient for the retailer. In other words, the retailer doesn't touch it. So when you return your loop product, say, to a retailer, it'll go to, uh, like, a, there'll be like a, a recollection kiosk in the car park that we service, but the retailer doesn't have to deal with it. And that's so important because retailers are getting strained, you know, with e-commerce incumbents and everything every day. They just don't have the, the people to d- deal with this stuff. And so this sounds uh, – it's a very interesting concept for me, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to sort of seeing it in reality. But you're talking about having a, basically a, an aisle or maybe two or four eventually where you have all of these loop products, right? 
Yes, exactly ex- uh, 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 correct. You know, so at the beginning, it's going to be a bit more e-commerce centric. Uh-huh. Uh, it's easier to get things going there. But then the, 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 the Carrefour, for example, will have its first store up and running in September where you will have an aisle, like a package-free aisle, or sort of like how organic began. You know, mm-hmm. when organic products began, they were all merchandised together. Now, the end state, you know, is if it really takes off and consumers love it, just like it happened with organic, then it may get merchandised, you know, the, you know beside its, let's call it conventional uh, derivative. Um, but that would only happen once it really scales up. So for now, it's going to be all merchandised together in a section of the store, which would now be your package-free or waste-free section. All right, Tom. So one of the things that has to be, a, I would assume, is front and center for you, especially when you're working with the brands, not just the retailers, but the brands that are, are coming online with, with Loop, um, is, is design, the aesthetic yeah. of the packaging that you're now using. So talk a little bit about that for us. So this is really the key, because if you think about every reuse model out there, Loop is not the first reuse model, it's not even the second. I mean, there's been so many reuse models out there. But almost every reuse model, if we think about, let's say, the quintessential package-free you know, sort of supermarket where you take your mason jars and whatnot, and you mm. go there and you fill it with rice or cashews or whatever... What it's doing, all these, uh, or even if you buy bulk at a Costco, you know, and then take it home and then fill it into a smaller container, all these models are the consumer is refilling for themselves. And there, what is really being sacrificed, first and foremost, is the convenience of disposability, because you have to clean out your packaging yourself, and you have to fill it yourself, which is incredibly inconvenient, especially in today's fast-paced world. You're also sacrificing other things like complex products, like you, you can't get ice cream, you know, uh, in, insect repellent. You're also sacrificing brands, blah, blah, blah. But you're really sacrificing this incredible convenience. What we've really realized is that it has to be as absolutely uh, 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 convenient um, uh, 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 as possible to really win. You know, so uh, uh, the, the loop would be more, I would call it a we refill for you uh, mm-hmm. uh, overall approach. Um, and once you do that, you can also really focus on uh, design because durability doesn't just bring about reuse, which is sort of what everyone's sort of putting on a pedestal, but also brings about incredibly beautiful materials that can then be, you know, used in a way that is unbelievable design. And those materials with those designs can even create new features. So as a concrete example, you know, the Haagen-Dazs ice cream container in Loop is double wall stainless steel, which is an incredibly more beautiful material than coated paper, which is mm-hmm. what it's been today. Mm-hmm. But double wall stainless steel isn't just beautiful and aesthetic. It even keeps your ice cream cool longer because it has, has an insulating uh, component to it. Um, so it's even more functional. And that is important because really what we need to be thinking about is the future of how we consume. And one of the tenets of the future should be that there is no waste. But that no waste shouldn't really be the reason of the future. It should just be an aspect of it or a, a key requirement, you know? So that means with my, my Haagen-Dazs in the loop container, I can sort of take it and then eat slowly through the, the whole container Rather than worrying about it getting melty and everything. Oh, that's so funny because I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, first of all, I love me a pint of ice cream, but second of all, like I like it a little melty because it can be a little cold. Uh I've also never really loved the concept. I've been a little oddly grossed out about eating out of the paper container. Oh yeah, yeah. This kind of bothers me, so I'm kind of interested in this. Yeah. Well, and by the way, according to the you know ice cream experts at Haagen Dazs, if you if ice cream melts 
and then you refreeze it, you know, then it actually significantly lowers its quality. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like so, ice cream, mm. You don't want those ice crystals to no. form when you go melt, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, refreeze. But nevertheless, I mean, this is the key is that, you know, it's, it's, it's we need to think about how do we elevate design and really allow that. And durability you can because in disposability, so let's just, come, you know, take a coffee cup, right? If you go to a coffee store and you buy a cup of coffee and you get it in a paper cup, that when you bought the coffee, you also bought the cup and it's yeah. your property. I mean, you physically, it's in the price of your coffee. And because of it, it's a, that makes it a cost of good sold to the, uh, to the coffee shop which means their goal is to make it as cheap as possible, which means every day our coffee cups become progressively less exciting and, frankly, you know, less recyclable to boot. Mm. In, if you instead ask the coffee, cup, coffee store to give you, a, you know, the coffee in one of their you know, uh, drink-in-the-store cups, you know, like a ceramic cup, because it's their asset, they're now not motivated to make it as cheap as possible. They're instead motivated to make it as long-lasting and durable as possible. And what's oh, the benefit to the consumer? You get a way better cup. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the challenges, I think, across any, almost any topic that we talk about on Dollars and Change are how do we align incentives? I think that's sort of one of the undercurrents. Right. It, you know, so that that's what you're talking about here is this now becomes an incentive for the corporation to do this as well. Exactly. It's sort of like, you know how like in, um, in sustainability, we always complain that all the externalities are not embedded into the cost of the products. That's like one of the most common complaints. Right. Yes. By having the manufacturer own the package... It's, it's brilliantly aligned for them because, A, they're motivated to make it first as long-lasting and durable as possible because your economic comparison, let's take a bottle of shampoo. In a normal plastic bottle of shampoo, the entire cost of that bottle is in the cost of goods. Right. In a durable bottle, it's the depreciation of the durable package plus the cost of cleaning. And the way you make depreciation as low as possible, initially motivated, to make that bottle long-lasting, which is quite nice. And you're Tom, I, I wanted to switch gears just because yeah. we don't have a lot of time yet. But like when you're working with the the corporations that, you know, are coming online for Loop, you know, it sounds like you're really a service business. How, you know, how did you convince them to go this route? Because they're bearing some of these costs. They're, um, you know, they're really the ones designing. How and having that... to think about it so differently. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, these are big investments, right, that a lot of these corporations have made. And I think there's two things. One is... Loop is a, a, a complete step change in sustainability. It's quite a profound sustainability solve versus an incremental one, like 10% more recycled content or sort of an incremental step forward. Absolutely. Uh -huh. And they all agree that they're in a garbage crisis and they need profound solutions. So that's called it from a sustainability point of view. You know, there's a big win there. But that's not enough. What really gets them across the finish line is it finally allows them to bring out all the innovations that their procurement teams have said no to because, you know, they are bounding their packaging designers, if you design in disposability, to incredibly low budgets. And I can't tell you how many times we're in a major corporation where the packaging designers are like, oh, my God, finally, all the things that I couldn't commercialize, that I've thought about, now I can explore. Because if the consumer doesn't own the package, then you can really unlock the investment into the package. That's so interesting. And so just sort of in the last couple minutes that we have here, on one hand, I'm curious about the other types of products. We talked about haagen -Dazs. Can you share any other examples of what might be coming online? Yeah, absolutely. So where we are focused right now is we think Loop is relevant in, in – think like a Venn diagram with three circles and that overlap point. So the three circles are you don't want to own it in the end. So any package is like that. Um, it, there's a waste problem. 
and there's an opportunity for major improvement in design. Those are the sort of three things we look at. And so right. what falls right in the center of that is uh, packaged food, home care and personal care. So everything from, you know, Pantene shampoo to, uh, you know, Tide, uh, Cascade, you know, dish soap and many, many other examples, you know, to personal care products, uh, you know, like uh, toothpaste and toothbrushes, you know, uh, all the way to all the packaged food. So those are, that's the core. Where we're going to start experimenting is things like baby. Anything baby is a good example of where you don't want to own it in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, or takeaway food packaging is another one we're putting some experiments into. But the core focus of Loop, what people will be able to actually participate in come May 21st when it launches in Pennsylvania, is food, packaged food, home care, and personal care will be the f- first starting point. Are you going to be here in Pennsylvania when it launches? Well, so the official launch event is on May 21st. That'll actually be at the World Economic Forum offices in uh, Manhattan. That's sort of the event itself. Uh-huh. Uh, but then, uh, then it goes, you know, live to those three states. And, uh, and yeah, I'll be around here, you know, sort of trying to promote and celebrate and then, uh, uh, you know, continuing to look at, you know, new areas to expand to. You have to drop by campus. And did you say, Tom, that we could find out more information on loopstore.com? That's exactly right, loopstore.com. All right. Um, and, you know, do sign up there because we'll let you know then when it comes to your area, wherever it is. Well, I'm excited. I'm also um, just briefly sort of reminded of the Amazon, you know, I don't remember what they call it, but you sort of press a button and they come, you know, it's sort of your pantry and it comes whenever you need it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's just the service itself. You're still – it's not the packaging side. It's not – but but it definitely – I think there's a big future here, Cheryl. I think so, too. Well, thanks so much. We've been speaking with Tom Zaki, who's the CEO and founder of TerraCycle and Loop. This is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.